Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington, working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Tuesday, March 15, 2022. Some politicians in South Sudan say the country is not ready for elections. The results of elections may not be uh, accepted by all parties to the, to the election. And that means if you imagine, if the forces are not unified, and if some of these parties rejected the party, then we are expecting uh, military or armed confrontation over the results, over the disputed results of the election. And the internal displaced persons in eastern equatorial states say they need more help. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Some leaders of political parties in South Sudan say the country is not ready for elections in 2023. The leaders argue that some key activities for the conduct of free and fair elections are lagging behind. The spokesperson of the other political parties say any rush to conduct elections could return the country to another conflict. Wake Simon Wudu reports for VOA from Juba. In order for the elections to be held, the peace agreement requires that a permanent constitution be ratified, a political parties act be enacted, and the elections act be reviewed. But with less than a year to go before the end of the transitional period, all of those things have yet to be carried out. Albino Akol, spokesperson of the other political parties or OPP, says any rush to conduct elections without having the required instruments in place for conducting free and fair elections may return the country to instability. The results of elections may not be uh, accepted by all parties to the, uh, to the election. And that means if you imagine, if the forces are not unified, and if some of these parties rejected the results, then we are expecting uh, military or armed confrontation over the results, over the disputed results of the election. Peter Lomude, a member of the South Sudan Opposition Alliance, Osoa says no meeting has been convened by all parties to the deal to talk about conducting their elections. Lomude says Sowa wants to see free and fair elections take place, but says in the remaining period of transition there is not enough time to accomplish all that is required for conducting the democratic elections. It is important for the country to go for elections. But you want the elections, I don't know, not going to take the country into crisis. If there are all over the country, the elections are always conducted in accordance with the law. So we want the condition, you know, the situations to be all the necessary requirements to be in place in order to have the elections that are free, fair, credible, you know, and the elections that are not going to, you know, to, to put the country into crisis. The peace deal requires that within six months of the signing of the agreement, a national constitutional amendment committee be reconstituted to review the 2012 Political Parties Act and to ensure that the act complies with the international best practices for free and democratic registration of political parties in the country. 
The deal also requires the unity government to reconstitute the political parties council not later than two months after the amendment of the political parties act and not later than four months into the transitional period. The agreement also states that the National Election Act be amended not later than seven months after the commencement of the transitional period. All of these activities have yet to take place. Key tasks including the constitution-making process, review of National Security Service and Police Acts have stalled in Parliament. In addition, the parties have yet to complete forming the unity government and to implement all security arrangements. Akol says regardless of the challenges, all efforts required to conduct the elections in a free and fair environment need to be accomplished by the parties. He says the OPP wants to ensure that the electoral process is free and fair. And this includes unification of army because we cannot enter into elections with scattered armies uh, or many armies that uh, have no one uh, control command. And, and this may involve uh, military confrontation if people disagree on results of elections. The second issue is a permanent constitution-making process. For us to go into elections, we need in place a permanent constitution. Efforts to reach SPLMIO officials for comments were unsuccessful. Information Minister Michael McQuay, who is also a member of the SPLM in government, a party to the peace deal, says considering the remaining short period of the transition, the parties are at a crossroad in making decisions on implementing some of the key chapters of the agreement. He says taking long time to make decisions by all the parties on forming some of the structures of the unity government have delayed implementation of key provisions of the deal. Still, Makwe says he believes it is possible to conduct the elections within the remaining transitional period. If we are really serious and committed, then we will be in a position to establish, to finish all these which are pending and run the elections in time. But in case of any delay, then definitely the parties will decide. Parties to the agreement will be the decision makers. They will be sitting, all of them, and uh, decide what to do. Either to go for elections and ignore some of the provisions of the agreement and we go for elections, or else if we say let us operationalize, let us implement all the provisions of the agreement before we go for elections, then in this case we may have to to extend the period. Following the peace agreement that ended the conflict, a transitional period of three years was agreed on, which would be followed by elections in 2023. For VOA News, I'm Simon Wudu in Juba. Authorities in Twitch County and the ABA Special Administrative Area have welcomed an investigation into the root causes of the conflict between two communities in ABA and Twitch County of Warap State. President Salva Kir formed a committee headed by Vice President Hussein Abdelbagi to investigate the root causes of the conflict between the Dinkangok of ABA and the people of Twitch County in Warap State. 
For viewing news, Dengai Deng reports from Bor. Earlier this month, dozens of people were killed and many others injured when suspected armed militia from Twi County of Warabi State attacked citizens in the Aned market of the Abia administrative area in a dispute over land ownership in Aned. Warabi State Minister of Information Ring Dengading says the community in Twi County believes part of the land or even the whole of the Aned area belongs to them and that some community members believe that the people of Abia might take their land to Sudan since the final status of the area hasn't been established. Last week, President Salvakir formed an 11-member panel headed by the Vice President for Service Cluster, Hussein Abdulbagi, to investigate the root causes of the conflict between the Ngogdinka and the people of Twitch County. Adding says he is hopeful the committee will help restore peace and tranquility among the two communities. The committee have arrived, uh, headed by Vice President Hussein Abdulbagi, and they are now on the ground in uh, Turale, Street Town, the Warab State. They, have, uh, they, they, they are going uh, successfully investigating the case of Anet. After they will be done with the Warab State part, they will go to Abia. Abia Chief Administrator Kual Dim Kual says he too welcomes the committee's arrival saying he hopes the panel will support domestic efforts to advance transitional justice, end hostilities and help rebuild trust between the two communities. Historically, uh, Anet belongs to Payat clan of a gang section of Deal Shibdom. This is, uh, this is, uh, this is history uh, and the claim is not, is not based on any fact. And you see, if you see the map, the map of the Abia area uh, was defined by the head arbitration uh, in, uh, on, uh, that came out on 22nd July uh, 2009. Gog is part and parcel of the area. And even the establishment order, our president has attached a map of the Abia area, and Agog is part and parcel of the Abia area. And they want to grab the, the land. It's land grabbing. They want to grab part of the land uh, of the nine of Dinka Shivdom, uh, taking advantage of the current, uh, of the current uh, problem uh, the area is facing. Kuala hedges the governments of South Sudan, Sudan and the international partners to expedite the determination process for the final status of the ABA, which he says could help resolve internal conflicts. Let us support the people of ABA so that the final status of the ABA area is determined as quickly as possible. And when they become, when they become fully part of South Sudan, then we can discuss our borders, internal as internal border. But now it's not yet an internal border. Uh, there's still uh, uh, international stakeholders on this border. Abraham Kualinyuan, a political science lecturer at the University of Juba, says the committee should talk to locals, including the young people and women in the areas of Abia and Twitch County, to resolve a problem and not involve politicians in the decision-making process. This conflict, if not seen very well, is a kind of conflict that is going to bring problems not only to the people of Abia and the people of Twitch, 
but it is going to create a crisis within within South Sudan. Why? Because of being a disputed area, and now people from South Sudan are trying also to segregate them. This thing is not going to be good. It will make them to feel like they are being segregated within their family by their brothers. And this thing will make them to be pro-North. And that is something that I think the people of Warab State should be able to avoid at all costs. The disputed region of Abia straddles Sudan and South Sudan's borders, but belongs to neither countries. When the SPLM signed a comprehensive peace agreement with the Khartoum government in 2005, which led to South Sudan's independence, the party leading the government could not agree on boundary lines. As a result, Abia's status remains unresolved to this day. The area is shared by the Masiria Arab nomads from the north and the Ngog Dinka. After fighting erupted in 2011, Sudan and South Sudan agreed to allow a neutral peacekeeping mission to foster security until a political resolution was reached. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiden in Bor. Lecturers and support staff at two public universities in South Sudan have gone on strike to demand the payment of six months salary arrears. South Sudan's deputy minister says his office is working to pay all civil servants, including university lecturers across the country, their four-month salary arrears. Manyang David Mayar has more for VOA from Juba. Lecturers and other employees at the University of Juba, South Sudan's main public university, first announced they were going on strike last week. The university's administration also announced it would shut down the institution until the finance ministry paid the six-month salary arrears. Yesterday, lecturers at the University of Bahr el-Ghazal followed suit by walking off the job, saying they would only return to work when the government pays their salary arrears. Emmanuel Bolmaker, one of the lecturers who also works as the Secretary General for the University of Bahr el-Ghazal Workers' Union, says employees have run out of patience. You cannot continue working while you have not been paid. Well, you also, you have children and you have obligations. You have obligations, they need money. And if you don't have money, how can you continue working? So people here, even, even working, there is a, a limit for attrition. If that limit by policy is a normal level, people will not be pressured no longer because the pressure has a limit. Ball says the lecturers will only resume teaching when they are paid their past salaries. We will be working. Until we hear the positive news, because we can only come back to the place when uh, somebody says that you go there in the window and go and receive. This, this is the only news that we, we are going to hear. This is only the news we will take us back to the teaching But Other than that, no, I, I think no one will go and teach, because enough is enough. Ball says the university employees need to pay their children's school fees and medical bills surpasses their passion to teach, especially when the government has not paid them in six months. Among South Sudan's five public universities employees, the board-based Dr. John Grang Memorial University of Science and Technology and the universities in Rumbek and Upper Nile State are quiet for now. The lecturers strike at the University of Bahr el-Ghazal in Wau and the University of Juba has left its students worried about the future of their studies. Deng Nguyen, a fourth-year student at the University of Juba, says the lecturers strike is extending his stay at the university much longer than anticipated. I'm supposed to be graduated this year. Uh, I joined university in, 20, in 2018. 
and the course is equivalent to five years. But due to some interruption with your care uh, on 2019, which is a coronavirus issue, have extended our term. Now we are going to, to next year. We will be having more more years in the university, and there will be no near, near intakes because the more we delay, the more others will be out of the university. Peter Maluak, another fourth-year student at the University of Juba, says the lecturer's strike has distracted students from pursuing their studies. Both Maluak and Nguyen have joined the lecturer's appeal to the National Finance Ministry to quickly pay the six-month salary arrears. South Sudan Deputy Finance Minister Agok Makur says his ministry is working to pay four months salary arrears to all civil servants, including university lecturers. So going up of this price means that uh, our income can be increased. And if their income increases, means that we are going to handle all the situation facing the Minister of Finance in terms of salaries and others. Makura admits the Ministry of Finance has struggled to pay civil servant salaries since 2013. He blames the effect of war and inflation coupled with the poor collection of non-oil revenues for causing the delay. South Sudan depends almost entirely on oil revenues for covering its budget expenses, including paying civil servant salaries. Makur says increasing oil production and streamlining the collection of non-oil revenues are some of the strategies the government is using to try to fix persistent delays in paying salaries. He says higher global oil prices caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine will enable the South Sudan government to earn more revenue and pay salaries on time. Before the Russia's invasion of Ukraine, crude oil was selling at about $50 a barrel. Now, crude oil is selling for $100 a barrel. For VOA News, Amanyang David Mayar in Juba. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, some internal displaced persons in eastern Equatorial states say they don't have enough food for their families. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today. What is the mode of travel you most often use to get to work? Thank God I have a car for over nine years. So I drive my car to go to my workplace. But sometimes if there has a problem, I use tricycle. I usually use the minibuses, but more oftenly, I just walk from where I live because within the area that I work. I have an old bicycle. I ride on it anytime I'm going to work. I use the public transport to work most of the time because it's easily accessible and it takes me to where I'm going. I ride in my husband's car to work. He has his own car. So every morning he picks me and drops me. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. You are listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. Families displaced by recent attacks by pastoralists in Eastern Equatoria say they lack basic needs like shelter, food and clean water. David Monodanga has more for VOA from Juba. The IDP said they are living under harsh conditions and need food, water, medical care and shelter due to meager resources and insufficient facilities in Magui town. 
Some IDPs say they have received food rations of barely 7 kilograms from the World Food Program, which are supposed to last for a month, but the displays say that is not enough to sustain them. IDP Susan Alonya is from Agoro village. Alonya says she is concerned about her children's health. She says it's not safe to go home. Helen Angeno, an IDP from Samboro village, says the displaced recently received flour, a cup of beans, washing soap and some cooking oil, but she says these things are given in small quantities to be consumed by a group of people. Okot Sonic Romeo, leader of the IDP, says the government should ensure the cattle herders leave the villages in Magui County and take the IDPs back home. He says the IDPs are tired of running to neighboring counties for refuge. Since cattle herders attacked several villages in eastern Equatoria late last month, Magui Town has received an influx of more than 10,700 people from various villages. Local church leader Pastor Richard Orem of the African Inland Church in Magui says the number of IDPs seeking shelter in the areas keeps increasing. Orem says the amount of food humanitarian agencies are distributing does not meet the demand, noting 7 kilograms for each person per month is not enough. Okelo Odong, a member of parliament representing Eastern Equatorial State in the Council of States, is urging the government and more humanitarian agencies to step up and support the IDPs in Magui. Odong says churches, UN agencies, international groups and the government all need to work together and support the IDPs in Magui. For VOA News, I am David Monodanga in Chuba. <laughs> Aid groups say Eritrean refugees in Ethiopia are facing increased attacks and growing hunger as humanitarian access to displaced persons camps remain limited. The aid groups are calling on Ethiopian authorities to protect refugees and allow much-needed assistance into besieged areas of the country. Mohamed Yusuf reports from VOA's African News Center in Nairobi. Eritrean refugees living in Ethiopia continue to face hunger and attacks as fighting in the country's northern areas continues. According to refugees who spoke to the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, Orcha, unidentified men attacked the Barahle camp last month, killing five people. Faith Kasena is the UN Refugee Agency spokesperson for Eastern Africa, the Horn of Africa and the Great Lakes region. She says Eritrean refugees are fleeing conflict areas to safer areas. The conflict has also reached some of those refugee camps in those three regions, you know, where we have seen um, refugees being displaced or forced to flee yet again. Others have been wounded and some have also been killed. And so the situation continues to be extremely worrying for refugees, particularly because a lot of them have to deal with the reality of being forced to flee yet again. Ethiopia hosts at least 140,000 Eritreans who fled persecution and other abysses in their country. Most of the refugees are sheltered in the Tigray region, scene of the heaviest fighting between Ethiopia's government forces and the Tigray Liberation People's Front rebel group. Others have moved south to the Afar and Amhara regions, where the TPLF is battling pro-government militias. Humanitarian agencies have had difficulty accessing the populations in need because of roadblocks and insecurity. The UN Humanitarian Office says it was recently able to distribute 100 metric tons of healthcare and nutrition supplies to Tigray. 
The aid helped about 10,000 people and at least 22,000 refugees. Another 190,000 received assistance in Afar and Amhara. Kasina of the UN Refugee Agency says more people are left without shelter. With the deterioration of the security situation and the ongoing conflict, you know, many people, including refugees, are likely to be further displaced to flee their homes or where they're living in settlements in urban areas to other areas that are relatively safer um, in search of assistance, in search of security. Amnesty International Horn of Africa researcher Fiseha Tekle says some Eritrean refugees are leaving Ethiopia altogether. The number of Eritreans are leaving to other countries, especially through the Kenya border order towards Uganda, most of them, uh, and while in route, they were arrested by uh, police officials at the, at the border or after crossing the border, and many of the times they are uh, taken to court and uh, fined for money or with, a, with a arrest, especially in Kenya. So some of them, they were able to make it to Uganda. The UN humanitarian agency says its operations in the north of the country continue to be restricted at a time when about 870,000 people need its assistance each week. Mohamed Yusuf for VA News, Nairobi. The East African community is reviewing a law to ease the free movement of goods and doing business in the region. The move comes as EAC member states increase the number of non-tariff barriers despite ratifying the customs union in 2004. Moses Abiyarimana reports from Kigali. East African community lawmakers are reviewing a law that aims to ease the implementation of a customs union which came into force in 2004. The block includes application of the common customs law, the elimination of internal tariffs, the introduction of the common external tariff and the removal of the non-tariff barriers. Among the non-tariff barriers include the taxation of transit goods within the region. Bagomuhunda Kenneth is the Director General of Customs and Trade at the East African Community Secretariat in Arusha, Tanzania. Uh, the, the amendments we are undertaking at, in the Customs Management Bill covers a number of aspects, but more importantly it relates to the single customs territory, and the single customs territory is a, a flagship project that we started implementing in 2014. Uh, for example, we have been deploying people from other countries to the ports of entry. We had not put it in the legal instruments. We have now created a provision for that. Under a single customs agreement, partner states are able to clear their goods at the point of entry to help reduce the cost and time spent at the border points. George Odong, a lawmaker from Uganda, explains why the Customs Act is set to be amended. There are so many provisions of the Act that have been overtaken by events. And what we are doing here is to make sure that we bring it into speed with um, the challenges that the community is undergoing currently, but also with the changes that have happened either in terms of technology, in terms of the volumes of goods, in terms of the quality of our own integration. Aden Abdikadir is a regional lawmaker from Kenya. Despite the existence of the Customs Management Act, not very many countries within the East African community have fully implemented these particular acts and protocols, something that is required of them because they are party to all the protocols 
and they are party to all the uh, acts that are currently in existence. Among the challenges that faced the region in the past years is the failure to sign the economic partnership agreement with the European Union as a bloc. That failure is due to the challenges include Burundi, which by then was under sanctions by the European Union, accused of human rights violations in 2015. Leontin Zaimana is a Burundian lawmaker. Now that the European Union has lifted these sanctions, I think the government will look at this uh, APA differently. They will have a space of negotiation, of talking again with the European Union and to see how the Burundi government can join other member states of the East African community to, to ratify these agreements. With the East African community set to admit its seventh member, challenges still remain in the elimination of the non-tariff barriers that have led to amend the Customs Act in hope for all countries to facilitate the free movement of goods in the region. Moses Aviarimana for Voice of America. That's all we prepared for you this Tuesday. We now end this show with some Luganda traditional song. I'm John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us this evening. Remember to always wash your hands with soap, practice social distancing, and wear a mask when you're in public places to protect you and others from getting COVID-19. Do not escape from COVID-19 quarantine centers because there's no cure for coronavirus. Join us again tomorrow evening for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Yeah, I